Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. There you are. Now I hear you. Kind of sounded like everybody was a little bit sleepy. Is anybody tired today? I, I see a lot of the same t-shirts, hands in the air. <laughs> we all were tired. We had an awesome day yesterday, you guys. Oh my gosh, we had such a good time seeing how Jesus is moving in kids' lives. And um, if you don't know what happened yesterday, we had our fall festival, hence the t-shirts. And um, we had so many volunteers come. And if you guys see anybody with this t-shirt on, would you please thank them and pray for them because their muscles are tired and sore and their bodies are tired, but they worked hard for Jesus. And we had kids come through that have never been here before that we got to share the love of Jesus with. They left here knowing that Jesus loves them. So we are super excited about that. Um, want a big, big shout out to our, our high school age kids that were there. Man, they were awesome. They were so great. And, um, they, matter of fact, if they're here, stand up, guys. If you were in high school and you served yesterday, stand up, you two. Zeph, Nathan, Zach, they, these guys. And here they are. There's some more. There we go. They did awesome. They did not complain about anything. You can sit down now. Thanks for standing up. They didn't complain about anything. They served Jesus. And for all of us that couldn't lift some of the heavy things, they jumped right in. They were awesome. So we're really grateful for our youth group because they really came to it and, and uh, served Jesus well. So we're excited about that. Another thing we want you guys to know about this week is prayer meeting. So we would really love it if you guys came. Um, this is God's church, and it is built on prayer. And we all need to be doing that. We need to be praying for our church, praying for each other. And we're watching God answer prayers. And don't think he is dormant because he is not, and he is doing a lot. So we want you to be there. I want to encourage you to come, and it's an honor to pray together, and we are just watching God do so much. Um, Jeff, we've been praying for um, one of his sweet relatives that went through brain surgery and has, um, there's a lot of details to it, so I don't want to mess them up, but the tumor in his brain, we prayed for him with a bunch of other people and he went home the day after brain surgery and like a couple days later is walking one to two miles a day. Miraculous stuff. So this is awesome, right? Isn't that awesome? It's so good. So God is, God is moving and we trust him and this church belongs to him. So we are going to pray this morning and then this is, this is what we set up for worship team to have a playground. Not really. I'm just teasing. The kids are going to do what they uh, have been working on this morning. So you guys are going to be ministered to by the kids this morning. We're excited about that. So would you guys join me? Let's welcome the Holy Spirit in here this morning, okay? Lord Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. Thank you for being with us, Lord. We are your people, and we are excited to worship you this morning. There is nothing better than sitting at your feet and worshiping you. So Lord, we, we ask you and welcome you into this place. Settle down our hearts and our minds and let us get focused on you, Jesus, and what you want to do here. Lord, I ask you to protect this place with a hedge of protection. 
so we can understand your word and get clarity. I pray that we will be able to feel your spirit moving around us, but more than that, really truly know and trust and believe what you're doing. Because, Lord, you have big things planned. We trust you with that. So we give you all the stuff in our lives right now, and we just lay it on the altar. It's hard to let go of that sometimes, Lord. But we are going to let go of it this morning, and we are just going to enjoy your presence. So feel welcome in this place, Father. Know that you can come here and that we are wanting you to just move in us and through us. Be with our kids this morning as they show how much they love you, Jesus in serving you, in leading us in their worship. And Father, I just pray that you will bless this morning. We ask you for an anointing over Pastor Tim, that he will deliver your word, Lord, and we will receive it. And that if you need to pluck things out of us, you can do that. So Lord, we give you ourselves. We give you our hearts and our minds. And Lord, you come in and move and do what you want with us, Jesus, because we are here for you. And we just welcome you here. Holy Spirit, come. And we thank you. And we all thank Jesus in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right, kids, come on up. God chooses us. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Psalms 139, verse 1. He 
always makes a way I am his and he is mine I am the prize he came to because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. One sixteen one. Mountain high 
God comforts us. God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. Second Corinthians 1, 4. Fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every? Just who I am because I need to know You say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing You say I'm strong when I think I am weak You say I'm held when I am falling short
forgives us. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfallen love.
Yeah. You guys did awesome. Didn't they do good? They did so well. It's so exciting to see our young ones coming up, leading worship, loving Jesus, and spreading the gospel. That's what it's about, right? Isn't that about? I got to tell you guys something. I didn't know this because I hadn't seen these videos yet. But what you're seeing on the stage in front, one of the kids, the, the girl that was in the white pants and she played the guitar, she was older, she was in my Sunday school class at my other church I led worship at. And now she's spreading the gospel by doing VBS stuff. Isn't that awesome? So these kids are going to do that stuff. So we have to be excited. Tracy, you can come on up. We are going to do some worship time, but I wanted to share this with you while Tracy's getting in place. I just wanted to share this with you. This is God through the Bible and who he is. In Genesis, he's our bread of life. In Exodus, he's our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest, and in Numbers, he's the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's Israel's guide, and in Joshua, salvation's choice. Judges, he's Israel's guard, and Ruth, he's the kingsman's redeemer. First and second Samuel, he's the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's sovereign, and in Ezra, he's true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he rebuilds walls and rebuilds lives. In Esther, he's our courage. In Job, he's the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. And in Proverbs, he's wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the time and the season. In Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. And in Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. And in Ezekiel, he is the call from sin. In Daniel, he's the stranger that will show up in our fire. Let that sink in. Hosea, he's forever faithful. In Joel, he's the spirit tower. And in Amos, he's the strong arm that is caring. In Obadiah, he's the Lord our Savior. And in Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he is the promise of peace. In Nahum, he is the strength and shield. And in Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he brings revival. In Haggai, he restores anything that has been lost. And in Zechariah, he is our fountain. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. And that's just the Old Testament. You go into the New Testament and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is the Messiah. In Acts, he's the raining fire from heaven. And in Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, he's the power of love. And in Galatians, he's the freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he's the glorious treasure. In Philippians, he's the servant's heart. And in Colossians, he's the Trinity and God. And in Thessalonians, he is the calling king. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's the mediator and the faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he is the everlasting courage. And in James, he is the healer. In First and Second Peter, he is the faithful shepherd. In John and Jude, he is the love coming for his bride. And in Revelation, he was and is and always will be the first and last 
beginning and the end. Amen. Right? We have an amazing God that we can count on. So we're going to praise him this morning with just a couple songs before Pastor Tim comes up and gives us a word. So if you guys want to stand and sing to him, after reading all that and who he is, he is worthy to be praised. I will. 
We're going to take our offering now if the ushers would come forward. And after the last song, kids, you can go with Miss McKenzie. We have one more song to do. But, Father, we want to we want to thank you. Let's just thank him for what he's given us. Lord, thank you for your provision. Father, you give us everything that we need. It's just such an honor to be able to give back to you, Lord. Thank you for our kids. And Lord, I just pray that you'll bless them. Let all the scripture that they said this morning just permeate their lives. Lord, bless this offering, Father, and thank you for the way that you love us, Jesus. In your name, amen. We'll continue to worship as we give. Yeah. 
Father, we trust you and believe you for working. We know that you're ahead of us, that you're laying the pavement stones for us to walk on. There's nothing for us to fear because fear doesn't come from you. Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters that we're standing next to now. Jesus, would you strengthen them and help them to pray for each other? Lord, you tell us to pray for one another. Father, I pray that you will remove anything that we have that's distracting us right now. Let us focus on you and and your word that you've given us. I'm so grateful that you let me be born in a time that I get to have your word, that I can hold on to it when I just need a hug. Lord, I'm grateful that you have left that behind with your Holy Spirit to help us. So be with us now, Lord. Settle our our hearts and our minds down. Let us get focused on you even more. Be in this place, Lord. Know that you're welcome here. Be with Pastor Tim as he comes to give us your word and what it is that you want to speak to each of us today individually. We love you, Lord. Everyone say, we love you, Lord we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Children's Church. Kids to Children's Church. Kids to Children's Church. Oh, thank God for Children's Church. Aren't you happy that we have Children's Church? Man, I am so glad we have Children's Church. It's a good thing. And I'm glad you came to see your children today. Yeah. And, uh, while they were up here, I was, uh, I was taking video. But half the time I was taking video of the youth here on the second row. That's who I took the video of, you guys. You were doing great. And incidentally, that video will be on social media later today, just so, just so you know. So you know. 
so you know. I uh, worked yesterday with others for our fall festival for children. And all of us who work that, I know, would wish that more children would have been here. We worked hard to make sure that it was a great event. The thing that impressed me most was the number of you who were there and the work you put in to that event. And I was blown away by the number of volunteers that showed up to take care of that. Thank you so much for giving your Saturday to that event for the kids that were present. I, I applaud you today for what you did. I brought my golf cart here. That was my contribution. Yeah. And I, uh, I used it to haul concrete blocks back and forth over by the parsonage and around. And I'm so old and so soft. When I got home last night, I could hardly walk to the bedroom. I'm telling you, that was a... That was more exercise. <laughs> that was more exercise than I want to have again in a while. It was. We're missing Pastor Scott today. Pastor Scott is uh, taking some time. Uh, medical leave. It's not something that is uh, 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 hospitalized, that kind of thing, but could use your prayers for these days that are ahead. Uh, if you just remember him in your prayers, we would appreciate that uh, for the days that are ahead. But uh, uh, he's our brother and our friend and uh, just needs the Lord's touch right now and your encouragement. And I know that as a congregation, you'll give him that. Thank you for the lights. Oh, oh I liked them. I could see could I have them back the way they were? I like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's light this place up. I like to see you. I like to see you. I do. I do. My wife leaned over to me while the children were up here doing their thing. And she said, I don't know who's preaching, but he better have a good one today. <laughs> so, so, uh, we'll see. I was thinking the same thing. And uh, sometimes as a pastor, you think, Lord, if you want to do something else, it's okay. You know? As a young boy, I grew up on that dead-end dirt road on the west side of Wichita, Kansas. My father worked for Santa Fe Railroad. And he worked out in the shops. By that I mean he helped repair rolling stock for the railroad. Normally he worked on boxcars and uh, did woodworking. He was a carpenter. And at home he had his own set of tools. And he enjoyed going out into the garage where his little shop was set up and working there. And I love spending time there in that garage with my father. 
And occasionally I would pick up, I'm a young boy, I would pick up some of the scraps of wood off of the floor that had fallen off the edge of his bandsaw or his table saw. And when I picked those things up, then with about four pounds of nails, I would put them together into some kind of trinket that I would take into my mother and show to her, sometimes just so I could hear her say, You're just like your father. Jesus says that there's one way you can always know that we're like our heavenly father, and it's our next beatitude, found in Matthew 5, 9, where it says, happy or blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You're just like your father. And notice that it does not say happy are the peace lovers because everybody loves peace. That's why it's so hard to watch the news anymore because it's all about peace lovers but not about peacemakers. And it doesn't say happy are the peaceable, those who never get disturbed or never get upset about anything. It says blessed are those who make peace who actively seek to resolve conflict. And there are some misconceptions about peacemaking. And when we read this particular verse, when we pull this one out and we hold it up to the light and examine it, sometimes we have a misconception. Peacemaking is not avoiding It's not running from the problem. It's not pretending that it doesn't exist. It's not saying, I don't want to talk about it. Because that's not peacemaking. That's passivity, I guess you could say. Or cowardice, perhaps. None of us like conflict. So we avoid it. And we postpone it. And we put it off. And the longer we do, the bigger the issue becomes. So peacemaking is not avoiding, nor is it appeasement. You see, when you always give in and let the other person have their own way, that's not the right answer either. Jesus was very controversial. And he stood his ground on a number of issues because he knew that he had to. So peacemaking is not appeasement, nor is it avoiding. Rather, it is actively seeking to resolve the conflict. Now, I admit admit to you that it is so much easier to just blow it off and walk away. What do I care? So the question then becomes, why should I be a peacemaker other than the fact that I want to be one of God's sons? Why should I worry about being a peacemaker? Let me list some reasons. Because unsolved conflict blocks my fellowship with God. Now listen. Some of the things I have to share with you this morning, I hate. It's not stuff that I like to deal with in my own life. I hate it. But the Bible says that you cannot have close relationship with God and be out of fellowship with others. Um, I'm going to sound political here for a moment. But I say that there are some exceptions that we will get to in a couple of weeks. 
But 1 John 4 says, how can a man say, I love God and hate his brother at the same time? Peacemaking is also necessary because if we're not involved in that, this relationship that's broken can hinder our prayer life. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, husbands, do you hear this? Husbands, this is from the Living Bible. Husbands, if you don't treat your wife right, forget about praying. Matthew 5 says reconciliation is a prerequisite to worship. It says when you come to church and you're ready to give your offering and you remember someone has something against you, it says go and get that right and then come back. Because nothing can substitute for that reconciliation. Not your giving, not your sharing, not your reading the Bible. You know why? Because all the time you're doing your little religious exercises, your mind is running to that conflict. And you're thinking, I'll tell you what. If I had that to do over again, I should have told them this. If I had it to do over again, I would run it this way. And so we begin going down that path rather than the path of reconciliation. And we lose the ability to worship God because we are so caught up in these other things. It also hinders your happiness. Listen, when you're in conflict with your spouse, for for instance, you are miserable. Job 18.4 says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. And that's not just true in marriage. We get all wrapped around the axle and it monopolizes our attention. And all you think about is that other person and you're bugged. And meanwhile, they're having a great time. You're the ones upset. You're paying the price. I want to share with you this morning some ways to find peace. Just common sense things that aren't necessarily all original to me, but they make sense to me. And one is to plan a peace conference. Matthew 5.24 says, If you remember your brother has something against you, go at once and make peace. And notice that it says, you, go. Jesus is saying that you, I, we take the initiative. Don't wait for them to make the first move. And, and, and here... It doesn't matter if you're the offended or the offender. It's always my move. Conflict isn't resolved accidentally. It doesn't usually resolve itself. You must intentionally deal with it. And when do we do that? Well, according to that verse, at once. That's what the verse says. The longer I wait, the more difficult it's going to be to resolve the issue. Another suggestion would be to empathize with Their feelings. You know a good definition of the word empathize? I saw this 40 years ago when I was in seminary. A definition for the word empathize is walk a mile in their moccasins. Philippians 2.4 says, None of you should think only of his own affairs, but consider other people's interests also. What that means is pay attention to their needs, not just your own. When we're upset, 
Who are we thinking about? Me. My needs. My hurts. You hurt me. You offended me. I don't care about you. But God reverses that. And this, this is what's hard. God is saying focus on their needs and not just mine. One value of conflict is that when it's resolved, it usually leads to a greater sense of intimacy in fellowship with people. A block behind the high school that I attended, there was a neighborhood. Uh, it was not just across the street. It was across the river. The, you call it the Arkansas, Arkansas River here. It's the Arkansas River in Kansas. It's the Arkansas River. And across that river from my high school, there was a neighborhood and a street there. And that street was where all the guys would go to meet after school to have a fight over a girl or over some situation that happened at school. And so those of us who weren't fighting, we'd just go there to watch. And the guys would meet back there, and I mean, they were trying to do it just like they had watched it done on television. And I would stand there and watch these guys fight, and they would get bloody and blood was dripping from their nose. And I'd watch them, and then we'd kind of all break up and go home before the police got there. And then, in the next day or two, or a week, I would see those same two guys walking down the hall together, sitting at the lunch table together, and they were friends. Something had happened in that process. <laughs> I'm not sure you'd call a fistfight reconciliation, but there have been some I've wanted to have for reconciliation. Reconciliation does something in this thing of friendship and intimacy. A third suggestion would be to attack the problem and not the person. You can't focus on the problem you can't focus on fixing the problem and fixing the blame at the same time. If you're going to this meeting thinking, I'm going to blame that other person, well, you forget it. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. Engage your mind before you engage your mouth. That's what it's Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed. And another suggestion would be to cooperate as much as possible. What can we agree on? What can we do together? Romans 12.18 says, Do everything possible on your part to live at peace with all men. And Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Now, face it. There are some people you can't get along with. And you can't rationalize with them. And you just can't. They are not going to get along. They have an agenda that is absolutely foreign to yours. And they are not willing to compromise or listen. I have discovered in life that I can love people without liking them. Does that sound odd to you? There are people that I love. I want them, I want them to know Christ. I want them to go to heaven. 
Sometimes sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. But I love them. But I don't like them very much. But Jesus said, do everything possible. What he's saying is peace always has a price. Sometimes we have to give up our pride, our ego, and that becomes the price of peace. Someone said the three most difficult words in the English language might be, I was wrong. But that's compromise. That's cooperation. The two most difficult words are, I'm sorry. And the five most difficult words are, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And the seven most difficult words are, I'm sorry, I was wrong a lot. (laughs) Listen to me. Listen to me. Saying I'm sorry is very important. But if those words are not accompanied with a sense of remorse, save your breath. We had two daughters. They're three years apart. And growing up in the home, those two would kind of get into it. And the youngest was the bully of the older, really. And we would kind of break them up and say, okay, now you apologize to one another. And she would say, I'm sorry. That didn't mean one thing. Remorse. It means I really am sorry. Some of you would remember years ago, there was a, A phrase that was making the rounds. Man, I'm going into history today. It it was based on a book by Eric Siegel, I think his name was. It was called Love Story. And there was a movie about it as well. And it was one of those tear-jerker kind of movies. I mean, it was a Hallmark movie before we had Hallmark movies. But there was a phrase in that book and in that movie that said... Love means you never have to say you're sorry. And I would listen to that and I would think, now you're going to have to forgive me, and our district superintendent is here, so I hope I don't lose my credentials, but I'm just going to tell you, that's bullcrap. Do I turn them in now or can you pick them up later? Love means saying you're sorry over and over and over. In relationships, you get hurt. And you hurt others, accidentally or intentionally. We just do. But James 3.17 says, Peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. Folks, listen to me. I'm just a temporary fill-in guy here. So I'm easy to fire. All you have to do is say, hey, we don't need you next week, you know. But hear me. If you're always planting seeds of griping and complaining and arguing and hassling and putting down your spouse and your co-laborers and your co-worshippers, guess what you're going to reap? It's conflict. And if that's your M.O. in the life of a church, that church is always going to be in conflict. 
Whatever seed you're planting in your life, your job, your church, that is what you're going to grow. And sometimes, I've done 16 interim churches now. You're the 16th, though I've been here twice. Sometimes I'm in churches and I see people wondering, what in the world is wrong with our church? Can I be bold? Sometimes I want to say to that person, you're what's wrong with this church. Because you have never learned what it means to give someone a compliment, to lift them up. All you know how to do is complain. The seeds you're planting in your life, your job, your church, that's what you're growing. Matthew chapter 5 and Mark chapter 11, one of those passages says, when someone offends you, go to them. And the other passage says, if you offend someone, go to them. But either way, you take the initiative. If you want to be a peacemaker, that's what it means to be the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And another way would be to emphasize reconciliation and not necessarily resolution. To reconcile doesn't mean that I resolve all the problems. But it means I reestablish relationship. Let, let me talk about our homes for a moment. Listen carefully. Because I'm going to tell you something you've never heard before. There are honest differences between men and women. Go ahead, write that down. It's brilliant. We think differently. And you remember the old adage that the average man speaks like 15,000 words a day and the average woman 27,000 words a day. So ladies, when you say your husband just won't listen to you, guys, forgive me, you have to realize that he does not have the brain capacity to hold that much. Our little brains can only handle 15,000 words a day. You've got a 12,000 word advantage that's going to fly right over our heads. You ladies are just more verbal. It's a fact of life. So there are honest differences. And many times, you're not going to totally resolve those. But reconciliation means you bury the hatchet and not the issue. It may still be there, somewhere in your home, and you're working with it. But it's there. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, what's happening here is God models what he wants us to do. Now I come back to the fact that given sometimes you can't make it happen. Because reconciliation is a two-way street. But a synonym for peacemaker is reconciler. 
One who brings people together. But I realize there are times when the other party has no desire to be reconciled unless you totally submit to their demands. And you know that that can't happen. Some of you remember back in the 60s, it was a turbulent time, not unlike what we're going through these days, though I don't think it was quite as socialistic. And it... It seemed that every week, if you watch the news, every week there was another peace march somewhere. And if you had attended one of those gatherings, the thing that would strike you was the fact that everyone that was at this peace march was angry. I'm going to a peace march, and I am so angry. And that's the way sometimes we face these issues in our homes, in our jobs, in our churches. I'm going to go get this thing settled. But I'm so angry. You can't spread peace when you're at war on the inside. God is the original peacemaker. Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. And when you work to restore relationships, you're doing what God would do. God looks at you. And you're taking the initiative to restore harmony in that marriage or in that office or in your church or with that estranged relative. Some of you have had a relative come to your mind even of us as I spoke. And when you're working to restore harmony there, that's when God says, that's my girl. That's my son. And at a, as a person who is often absent from this church, when I'm speaking in other places. So, so sometimes I'm a bit of an observer here. I want to tell you what I have observed in the response of many of those who attend here and the members of your church board during recent days. I'm just telling you, my hat is off to you as you have worked individually and as a group in this area of reconciliation And all of that. I have watched you walk through deep waters. And you have done so with the grace of God all over you. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That's what God says. They are doing exactly what I would do. That's what God says. They were doing exactly what I would do if I were in that situation. I would be trying to bring harmony. I would be trying to bring unity. But there are times when our efforts are made impossible. And Matthew 18 deals with that. And I'm going to speak about that in a couple of weeks. But God has given us this ministry of peacemaking. But if you're even considering the role of a peacemaker... You have to find peace in your own heart before you can offer it to someone else. And we're often looking to other people to meet our needs instead of looking to God. And we get all sideways with others and then we expect them to meet our needs. God says, I never intended for you to have all of your needs met by another person, by that spouse or your boss or your pastor. Can I tell you whether it's a pastor that's been here before or one who's going to be here in the days ahead? He will not be perfect. 
They were not perfect. I am not perfect. The person who stands on this platform and speaks to you Sunday after Sunday is dealing with exactly the same things you are. Insecurity and frustration and raising a family or taking care of a spouse trying to do all of those things that you're doing and at the same time standing here and trying to give you some kind of a word that will help you through the week ahead. They are just like you. And there are some of those spiritual and emotional needs that all of us carry around that only God can meet. And the reason some of you have rotten relationships is because you have a war going on inside. And in that war, you're asking other people to meet needs that they will never be able to meet, the deepest needs of your heart. Well, Pastor, if you think you've got all the answers, how do I find this missing piece in my life? Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Folks, sometimes we just have to put down the sword. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And the word rule there is the same word that's used for umpire. That means someone who calls the shots, someone who keeps the boundaries, someone who is the referee, somebody who keeps the game going and keeps it in focus. The writer to the church at Colossae is saying, let the peace of God umpire your heart. See, when you have peace with God, then you get the peace of God. And when you have the peace of God, then you have peace or can make peace with other people. And that's the order. You let the peace of God rule in your heart. It seems that I often meet people, this is going to sound very judgmental and I apologize, I don't mean it to be that way, but I'm 73 years old. I started preaching when I was 19. And that's a lot of people that I've come in contact with across those years. And I have met people who think that they have peace with God. But it would appear that all they actually have is a ceasefire. They have negotiated a truce. And there's a big difference. It's like you say, God, you stay on your side of the fence and I'll stay on my side of the fence. You stay up there in heaven with the angels doing whatever it is you do and let me run my own life down here. And if you won't bother me, I won't bother you. And folks, that's no peace with God. That's a truce. And it's not going to last. I love the famous quote from St. Francis of Assisi's prayer when he prayed, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. That's a great prayer. Wherever there are hostilities, let me bring peace. Let me do the thing that is the most Christ-like. Let me bring people together. Happy are the peacemakers. Why? Well, because first, they're at peace with themselves. And second, they will be rewarded for it by God. Some of us 
perhaps in this room, need to get on the phone and set up a peace conference and call that person that you've been thinking of this morning that you're estranged from, that relative, that friend, that employee, that employer, somebody with whom it's not settled. And I'm not saying that you're going to resolve the issue. I'm just saying that we need to take the initiative. And then the question becomes, what if they say no? The answer is, you've done your part. The Bible says, do everything possible on your part to live at peace with all men. You're not responsible for their response. And if things get better, you'll probably still have some meaningful differences with that person. But their attitude is up to them. In fact, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how they respond. You have done your part. And God looks at you and says, at a boy, at a girl, you've done what you could do. Pray with me. Almighty God, this is hard for us, Lord. Because sometimes we not only get our feelings hurt, but we get good and angry. And when we try to put those pieces together, it seems like we're always the one that has to do it. And Lord, my ego gets in the way. And my pride... And I don't want to. But Father, I want to be called your son. I want to be a peacemaker. And there's a church full of folks here right now who are thinking about particular people or situations, examples in their own lives. And some of us, Father, are feeling guilty And some of us are feeling convicted. And many of us are thinking, I don't want to. Father, that's just our humanity. So we bring that broken relationship to you. We bring that hard issue to you. Because, Father, if we could have fixed it, we we would like for it to have been fixed a long time ago. Lord, we confess to you that sometimes when we stand at this point with some unresolved issue, we just kind of want it to go away. But Father, I'm sensing that until we at least take that initiative, it never will. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Lord, we're the church. And there is this sense in which we are to love one another 
But we confess to you, Lord, that even in a setting like this, sometimes there are people that we love, but maybe we don't like them very much. And Lord, I don't know that that's necessary. I don't know how you work all that stuff out. But I'm comfortable just asking you to lead us as your church to be seekers of reconciliation. Father, we love you today. And we want your peace in our heart so that we might share it with someone else. And it is in the name of your son Jesus that we pray today. Amen and amen. Stand with me, please. You've been very quiet today. I don't know if I beat you up or if I what, but uh, you've been quiet. And I pray that God has given us something to chew on as we go from this place today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And give you what? Peace. God bless you. You are dismissed. Daily walking close to